We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the meantime, Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. It's chunky today. All right. So this one is courtesy of Father David on the Champions Lounge boards today. Fill in the blank. The thing that you are most excited about with Notre Dame football in 2024 is blank. The thing I am most excited about Notre Dame football in 2024 is the defense combined with Mike Denbrock and Riley Leonard, because I think the defense is going to be better and it was already a championship level defense. It ranked in top five in most categories. They were in, and really top 10 in, in the kind of last few. And they were number one in some of those categories as well. And so I think if it, it and I assume it's going to elevate again next season. And then you combine that with a proven um, offensive coordinator and a guy that pairs well with the type of style that Riley Leonard plays with. And I think that is what I'm most excited about is the offense taking the next step with the defense getting even better. Yeah. See DK says, OC Anthony says offense under Denbrock. And that's where I'm going. I'm most excited to see what was already statistically a pretty good offense. Now, granted, there's going to be a lot of new faces out there, but um, you know, the, the general philosophy worked for the majority of games, but I want to see, can Mike Denbrock bring this offense up to a level where it is more consistent over the entire course of a 12 game season and into the playoffs and just what he is able to do with a quarterback like Riley Leonard after what he was able to do in a very short amount of time with uh, Jalen Daniels down there at LSU. I'm not saying that he's going to turn Riley Leonard into Daniels, but at the same time, I think that that the experience that he had with him is going to help him quite a bit. And I'm excited to see what this offense can be against what, at least going into the season, is not going to be the same kind of schedule, you know, that that Notre Dame had to face this year with some of the top-notch opponents that they had to face this year. So I'm I'm just most excited about that Denbrock addition and what he can bring to this offense. Yeah, and it's it to get more specific about it, it's in the games that matter the most, right? Like Notre Dame hasn't had issues of recent with, you know, pounding Navy or, you know, uh, Stanford this past season. 
um, teams like that. I, I just want to – the offense needs to be better and more dynamic in the Florida State, Texas A&M, et cetera, games. Yeah. This is a good one, though, as well. DK, DK says no, but can he turn Riley Leonard into Riley Leonard? Because yeah. even before the injury this year, Riley Leonard, you know, this year wasn't what he was the year before. So I think that that's, that's a good one. I think that that's probably – the most important thing, you know, what what exactly he can do with that. Where would you put Notre Dame on your way too early 2024 preseason rankings? We've seen some of these way too early rankings start to pop up. Um, Vince and I kind of discussed this last week in rapid fire and, you know, it popped up and at the top of everyone's list is going to be Georgia Alabama, um, I think Ohio State belongs up there. Obviously, Michigan, kind of old Miss. I'm not sold on Mizzou being good again. I'm not sold on Arizona as well. Like, apparently, Missouri's mad that Stuart Mandel doesn't have him. You know, he's got him down there around 20 or something like that. I just, I, I can't see a team like that in the SEC that's had one good year, you know, being that good again next year. I find it hard to, I find it hard to imagine. Not I think where I off, no, you're okay. I think that the best fit right now for Notre Dame or, or anything I'd feel comfortable with, probably like a seven to twelve range. I think that's an honest kind of spot for where they're at. And again, we're talking about a defense that was already a national championship level defense in my eyes. Um, getting some key players back, also adding some players, and then the you know the development of some of these younger guys that showed a little bit over the season. And then again, combining that with, you know, Denbrock and Riley Leonard, you would assume the offense is going to be better. And so I think that is what propels them at least into the top 10. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes this tough is the transfer portal and what exactly everyone's going to get out of the transfer portal. You know, like everyone's going to have some losses because it's college football what exactly is Michigan going to lose, though? Is is a lot of roster turnover in Michigan? Yeah, but like, is JJ McCarthy coming back? Is he it's going Harbaugh. to declare? You know, we know Michael Penix is gone. Yes, yeah, Harbaugh coming back, and all these teams that are that are you know sw- switching conferences as well. Washington and Oregon and USC going to the Big Ten. That's going to make a big difference in terms of who's taken some losses. You know, probably earlier at different points in the season, but I like Notre Dame right around that seven or eight spot though, as well. I I think with what they've got come, we know that Notre Dame has got a championship level defense coming back and they've got the ingredients to be a championship level offense. So going into the season, I put them right around that seven or eight spot. That's where I would drop Notre Dame heading into next year. Nice. We agree. Yes. Yes. By the way, I, I haven't seen Brent in here so far. He was looking for you last night. He always Brent comes Joe. real late. I think he's on that Monterey, California time. Yes. And there he's was my there arch was, nemesis now. There was more discussion about the spelling of your name when Brent jumped in. Oh, last boy. Night. I think Salty dropped a reference to that earlier as well. Yeah, Salty. Eli Drinkwitz is mad about something. Very surprising. Very shocking. <laughs> Very shocking. It's so weird because that guy looks like your high school science teacher. But then when he gets out there on the sideline, that guy, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. He becomes a different <laughs> becomes a different guy. 
when he's coaching the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Jess, Vince and I talked a little bit about this last night. I'm curious to get your take. Did we see the last of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan last night? I think this is a hard one to say. I think I think it's very dependent on the sanctions and how tough they are on Michigan because I think he could very easily pull the Pete Carroll and ride off into the sunset into the NFL but you know as easy as it is to say that Jim Harbaugh could go back to the NFL and he's had the interest before I just don't know what that level of interest actually was was he just doing it kind of you know flirting with the NFL to get Michigan to kind of you know clamp down and, and tie him and extend him to a longer contract I don't know, but the thing you got you got to realize in the NFL as a head coach compared to college, in college you're basically head coach GM. In the NFL you're just head coach. You don't have as much control, but you don't have to recruit as much, right? So there's trade-offs throughout the entire you know, throughout the entire process. Yeah. I think Jim Har- well, Harbaugh would want a role where he has a little bit more say than just being a head coach. And I don't know which NFL teams would offer that to him. I mean, it is a good point. And for a guy coming out of college, how much control they would give him is curious. And like Bill Belichick, is he going to keep all of his GM duties out there in New England? We still haven't. Apparently, he and Robert Kraft met yesterday. We haven't heard anything about what's going to go on there. We're going to talk about Mike Vrabel in a little bit. But what led to Mike Vrabel being fired was... The owner decided, hey, we just hired a new GM last year, and we're going to stick with the GM. So that that relationship is a big thing. And that's the fact that Jim Harbaugh lasted for a decade at Michigan. One, I think it's a little bit easier because it was wow, alma mater. It's already been a decade. Yeah, but the places, the stops that he had been before, the things that you had heard was he wears out his welcome after a fairly short amount of time. That didn't happen at Michigan, but
but he also has the chance now. Like there, there are no regrets for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. He just led him to a national championship. So he wouldn't have to deal with, you know, any guilt or anything like, you know, Hey, I'm leaving these guys without getting to jobs you know, done. Where, where we said that we were going to get. Yeah. The job's done. He's won a national championship. He wants to win a Super Bowl is kind of what we've heard. And there's been these dabblings and you've got, there are six openings now in the NFL and at least two of them have really strong interest in Jim Harbaugh. And I would think that if the bears wanted to cut ties with Eberflus, that there would be a lot of interest there as well, you know, but you do bring up a good point in terms of what kind of control he would get. I would think that, that he would have to sort of come to, uh, he would, he would have to reckon with the fact that coming out of college as successful as he is, that maybe they give him input, but that he's not going to have that kind of control, you know, even, even as a Super Bowl coach, you know, his last time around in the NFL, that he's not going to have that kind of control right away. You're going to have to be a coach first. And then maybe some of that, you know, kind of gets added later on, depending on how things go. Yeah. But, I mean, you can, but go ahead. You can comment all you want about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan and the wackiness and, and the, you know, the ongoing investigations that are going on. But to me, as much as I, it pains me to say it, Jim Harbaugh is a hell of a coach. Everywhere he's been, he's had success. What, what did he start at San Diego or San Diego State? He went from there, San Diego, San, San Diego. Diego. It was like it was lower. Yeah, it was not an FBS school. Yeah, that he started. So he started at. at San Diego. I think finished at eleven and one there. Went on to Stanford. You know, had good success there. When goes on to the the NFL. You know, has three NFC championships, a Super Bowl appearance against his brother. And then he goes back to college and wins a national championship. So, again, you could say what you want about Jim Harbaugh, but he produces wins, and he's a hell of a coach. And so he's going to find his spot. If he, if he wants the spot in the NFL, there's going to be someone that's going to take that bait. It's just a matter of what's that power dynamic going to look like in the NFL because it's not going to be like it, like it was in college. He's not calling the shots 24-7. And he can't go out there and say as much wacky stuff as he probably does in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, personally, like this, the success that he has had the last three years at Michigan and winning the national championship, personally, it feels like like this gives him an even bigger opportunity now, you know, like to, to go back to the NFL. Because he's not like most college going to the NFL coaches. He's already had success in the NFL. And in these places that you're talking about, like – the Chargers, the Raiders, those are two organizations where the, you know, the things that have been talked about, like there would be, you know, like they, they need, they need it factor in, in hiring their next head coach. Even though I think, you know, as much as it pains me to say Antonio Pierce is a, is a former New York Giants linebacker and the fact that he won Super Bowls with the Giants, like he feels like a great fit for the Raiders, but, but you've still got, Mr. Davis in charge out there and, you know, probably feeling like he's got to make a big splash. Like, you know, he thought that he was making with Josh McDaniel, but the chargers, I think feel like they need to make a splash. So I was, Jim, Jim Harbaugh would, it would answer that in either case. I think the best marriage or the best landing spot is the chargers him with the, what's on that roster specifically Herbert. And then you, yeah. you bolster up some of that defense here and there. I want to like I, that. That kind of scares me, honestly, because I like not that I have anything against the Chargers, but I think they would be 
kind of reborn again in a couple years, maybe maybe even a year. You know, again, him working with Herbert. Yeah, um, Mike, I'm going to save your comment for the Mike Vrabel conversation. Mike Huff, uh, I'm going to save your comment for the Mike Vrabel conversation that we're going to have here in a little bit because, of course, Vrabel was let go today. So what do you think? And um, Anthony had this question up earlier. Anthony says he believes there will be an asterisk by this result of the national championship game, the years if the NCAA does the right thing, even though the right thing was to disqualify them this year. Uh, he's, but he says he, he hates the cheating aspect, but he does give them props for beating Ohio State, Alabama, and Washington. I hate it, but it, it is the fair thing to do is what Anthony says. That is a very fair comment, Anthony. What do you think, though, becomes of the sign-stealing scandal there with Michigan, Jess? You know, I was very – I wanted to wait until – because I knew this would come up today. I didn't want to say anything on Twitter last night. I didn't – you know, I, I think that Michigan deserves its evening, and we'll get into the the scandal part as, you know, we come down from the national championship and the college football season officially wraps up. But I think the first thing that comes to mind is Anthony brought up a really strong point. You beat Penn State, Ohio State – Alabama and Washington, no sign stealing. So what was the whole point? And you beat some of them with an interim head coach running the show. Right. And so what is what was the point, right? Like you didn't need it's, – it's clear you didn't need to get into this extravagant scheme, right? And so that's kind of my first take on this. Second take is I don't even I don't think it ultimately matters what the NCAA decides. I think Michigan fans, Michigan players, Michigan coaches will always recognize this as a national championship season. I think in their eyes, there is nothing that is going to be done that can take that away from them. So I think that's that's a big point to get in as well. And then third, what I think actually comes of it. It's just so hard to say. Are we talking about, you know, reduction in scholarships? Are we talking about vacating wins in the national championship? Are we like, there's just so many options on the table for the NCAA. And I just believe they're not going to hit them with the hardest one. And that's vacating the national championship. I think something's going to happen, but I don't think the national championship is ultimately going to get vacated at the end of the day. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it will either. I've said before that I think that you levy a big fine against the head coach and or the school, you know, make someone pay a stiff fine. And, you know, like that money shouldn't obviously just go into the NCAA's pockets. There should be a series of charities someplace that 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 money goes to. But this is like Michigan has tried to play this out like everyone steals signs. You know, J.J. McCarthy was talking about it. Well, Ohio State was stealing our signs, so we just had to find a way to catch up to what Ohio State was doing to us. <laughs> There's means and methods. Thing. Right. It's like apple, orange. Like they, they keep trying to compare two things that aren't the same because I think just about everybody agrees. You know, I do hear some people defending them like, well, it's not that big a deal. You know, like some some neutral type people. It's not that big a deal because everybody steals signs. There's still a difference in the way you go about it. It's one thing to steal signs from the other sideline or even from the press box during the game, you know, as you're playing the game, trying to steal the signs, but it's a completely different thing to do it in advance and doing it with the 
you know, detailed, complex system that Michigan had out there, uh, you know, with Connor Stallions, obviously running this thing and the money that they were paying to send people to games and travel and, you know, everything else that was involved and, you know, recording them and the whole thing, it's completely different to do it that way than, than do it just, just like with the Houston Astros, it's completely different, you know, to, to steal it from the dugout and then, you know, do it that way than to use electronics and everything else like the Astros were doing. So Michigan can't just, you know, claim, oh, everybody does it. You know, they will claim everybody does it, but that that excuse just doesn't hold water. And it feels like based on the fact that Michigan was ready to double down and take this thing to court and they were going to fight it and everything else. And then all of a sudden the NCAA showed them what they had on them and they went, oh, okay, well, we'll just take the Jim Harbaugh suspension <laughs> and we'll move on from there. So I don't know. I don't think that they ultimately vacate the wins, but, and I don't think that there's going to be an asterisk next to this. I think probably the biggest thing that'll happen at some point, Jim Harbaugh is going to be long gone and right. <laughs> they'll dock him some scholarships. And that's, and that's the know, part to me. That's that, that's a big part to me. Everyone's going to be yeah. gone by the time it all happens. The more, majority of this roster is turned over. Yeah. Um, Harbaugh will be gone. I think the remaining person will be just like Michigan's final coach. fours. Look how long it took him to, to vacate Michigan's final fours from back in the, you know, like, who cares at that point? Okay, so the banner's not there. Everybody knows what those teams did. And that's what I was getting at, is by the point something actually happens in a potential vacation of wins in the national championship, it's people are already going to accept it. They're not going to, you know what? It's just going to be like, yeah, that, that was 10 years ago. We won it. You know, you can't take it away from us now type mentality. Yes. Which are you going to miss more next year, the Pac-12 or the four-team playoff format? <laughs> um, I'm going to miss the Pac-12. Uh, I'm, I love the expansion of the playoff. I think it makes for, um, you know, determining who the better final four teams is. I've seen a lot of tweets flying, flying around. Congrats to Michigan, the college football invitational winner. Right. And so like, that's no longer a thing. I think you're going to get more teams in more deserving teams. Um, and you're going to let the parody kind of play out to see who is ultimately the best remaining team. And I've said it before. I think I hate the the idea um, that that the Pac-12 is you know basically disintegrating as is. I don't like it. I don't. I think it's stupid that they're folding in you know to these bigger conferences. I would have loved to see the Pac-12 hang around, and I just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it's it's about the money, which we've discussed before. And so yeah, I'm gonna miss the playoff. What's crazy? Or sorry, the Pac-12. The Pac-12. You know, the Pac-12, after all this stuff happens and everyone knows the fate of the Pac-12, it had one of the best seasons that it's had forever. It, and it gets a team playing in the national championship game. You know, it had been since the first couple of years of the playoff with Oregon and Washington getting in until this year that both of those teams are, are fighting to get into the playoff. And it wasn't even those teams that everybody was talking about coming into the season. It was USC and, you know, Caleb Williams and Heisman Trophy and all that stuff. And I, I really don't want to see this overexpanded Big Ten. But what we want to see, you know, like Michael Parks just said, life ain't fair. And what we want to see and what, you know, what reality is are, are two different things. So I, I'm going to miss the Pac-12 because it's just – it's it. Things are going to change, and I don't know that it's necessarily going to change 
for the better. You, you know, like you're going to have some really good teams. Like what, what happens if we end up with five big 10 teams in the playoff next year or the year after that? Like it's going to, it's going to tick some people off too, right? Or, you know, five SEC teams or whatever it happens to be with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, you know, like, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the, the 12 team format. I know like John says he's going to miss the 14 playoff field more, but I'm excited about the 12 team format because like what were, what was everybody complaining about a couple of weeks ago with that orange bowl disgrace, all these players opting out. Well, you're not going to have all those players from a good team opting out, you know, that, that quality kind of team opting out because they're going to have a chance to play in a playoff game instead of just a meaningless orange bowl. Right. And I, I think the biggest thing that you, you said there was, unfortunately, you're always going to make someone mad and there's always going to be someone complaining about something, right? Like no matter if it was an 18, 12 team, four team, everyone's always, and that's unfortunately the world we live in. There's always going to be people finding a way to critique and criticize whatever is going on. But I think this is the best solution in terms of college football uh, an expanded playoff. You're going to see yeah. the best teams duke it out. And no one's going to be left out anymore, right? We're going to allow the game to decide itself, and I think that's how it should be. Yeah. Anthony says, 12-team format is great for Notre Dame, and I love the Irish. And <laughs> Like, it could be 20 degrees next year in the middle of December, and Notre Dame might be hosting a playoff game. That would be pretty cool as far right. as I'm concerned. So that's what I'm – it's another thing that I'm looking for. By the way, the uh, CFP Board of Managers – there was thought that they were going to adopt the new format next uh, for for next year. Yesterday, um, because of the Pac-12's dissolution, moving from the five automatic qualifiers and seven at-large teams, five plus seven is how it's referred to. They were expected to vote to move it to a six plus six because of the fact that you know there's only going to be two teams left in the in the Pac-12. So what that would mean is six automatic qualifiers and uh, six um, at-large teams. Um, but they have they have not voted on that yet because apparently there's like some things going on with these Pac-12 teams and they're, uh, maybe they're going to revisit it in a couple of weeks. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on what exactly happens with that. Anthony wants to know if you think Notre Dame would move a playoff game to Indianapolis if the weather is bad. I think it depends on the team. I think if you're playing a, a team from California, there's no way, no shot that you're moving that game. That is advantageous to you. You have the home crowd. You have the home conditions, whatever it might be. But if we're talking about another Midwest team like Penn State or something, you know what I mean, a team that plays in it just as much as Notre Dame, I think it's more of a possibility. But – Ultimately, I'm leaning no. I would say like 90% yeah. no, but I think that there's a 10% small sliver chance that it like there it would be the only way you would move it is if it was again a relative team. But you're not you're not you're not taking away your home field in the playoffs. It's the most important game of the season. Yeah. Especially next year. Maybe 10 years down the line if there are some unique circumstances or whatever. But I think Notre Dame's gonna do everything they can to have uh playoff games on their home field if at all possible. So a lot of talk, you know, speaking of which about where the national championship game was played. Do you have any problem with them playing it in Houston last night instead of, 
you know, a more traditional, you know, like bowl site, orange bowl, sugar bowl, you know, one of those kind of places? No, I don't. It's just a stadium where the game is played, in my opinion. As long as it's played in a relatively big city and it's indoors, I think you've checked all the boxes. I don't think it matters what bowl it is, what stadium it is. Again, as long as it's a nice stadium that can that can accommodate, you know, a large capacity. I don't, I don't, I don't care one bit where the game is at. Yeah, I mean, Texas is a football state. You know, they played it in SoFi Stadium. I wouldn't call California, you know, a uh, a, a football state by any means. I don't, I don't think the venue matters. I, I like, I think they they want to have it in as nice and as big a facility as possible to get get as many butts in the seat as possible. Now there are there are bigger places than where they played it last night such as the rose bowl and that's something that's been talked about quite a bit there's been like this whole should they play the championship game at the rose bowl every year do you buy or sell that would you rather would would you want to see it at the rose bowl every year um no i do not want it to be at the rose bowl every year because then i think it takes away from teams that get the opportunity to play in the rose bowl and not just the team that makes the national championship. I think the only way you could do it is if you did like, you know, one of the early round games at the Rose bowl. And then you, you know, once you get down to the championship, you play again at the Rose bowl. But I think it kind of, if you're only allowing the champions to play at the Rose bowl, you know, in in the entirety of the playoff, I think it makes it a little bit, you know, exclusive and it takes away from, you know, some of those other teams that might get that experience of just making it to that bowl game and getting that opportunity to play in a stadium like the Rose bowl. What I like is when Kirk Herbstreet started talking about this and then fans were like, well, yeah, you get to sit up in the press box (laughs) and we have to go, you know, we have to, uh, you know, sit in bleacher seats, similar to Notre Dame, obviously, you know, like the the facilities are, are crappy. The place was built in 1920. It's an old, nasty facility you know that whole thing everyone obviously loves the sunset out there at the rose bowl but you know like so keeping you know whatever the facility is i think it should be part of the rotation but it should be a rotation just like the super bowl is in a different site every year you need to move championship games around to expose different parts of the country to college football's biggest game you know like like indianapolis will probably host a national championship game at some point because they have a dome stadium. If Chicago ever gets their dome stadium built out there in Arlington Heights, they'll probably get to host it at some point. You know, they're like, you need to move it around. I don't think it should be in one place every year, regardless of what that location happens to be. I think it needs to move around. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So I've been teasing the Mike Vrabel thing. He was fired after six seasons as the Tennessee Titans head coach today. Scale of one to ten, how desirable is Mike Vrabel? You know, <laughs> I saw this earlier today from a guy that is um, a Cowboys. I don't know if he is still now. He started off as kind of a Cowboys reporter, moved on to more of a bigger picture at Fox. And basically his tweet was the David, David Hellman. Is that David Hellman? Yeah. He basically said there's like four or five coaches that he would absolutely take, you know, no questions asked. And Vrabel was on his list along with like Tomlin, Sean McVay. um, Who are the other ones? I think Kyle Shanahan was up there. There might have been another one. I just – I don't see that appeal. You know, like Vrabel, yeah. Are they good teams? Sure. Are they sound? Sure. Do they commit a lot of mental mistakes? No. Um, do they commit a lot of penalties? No. But on the flip side of that, they don't do anything that really wows you, right? Like that's the part to me is like – But look at how the teams are built, you know? Like – Yeah. Does that have something to do with it? Like to me, the fact that – he won three division titles with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback and essentially volumes. especially, you know, essentially Derrick Henry, you know, pounding guys and, and running <laughs> between the tackles and, you know, just other than that, playing really solid fundamental defense. And I think, didn't they get to the AFC championship game that first year for first or second year, you know, like, yeah. Cause they upset the uh, Ravens, I believe. Yeah. It, like, but I think that the other flip side of this. Go ahead. The flip side of this is is look at the division that they were in. You know, the, the Texans, Jaguars, and Colts. You know, they're not horrible, but they the AFC South wasn't strong. You know, after still, Peyton Manning left, Ryan Tannehill, Jesse. <laughs> no, I get like, what you're saying. I, I just I don't put him in that upper echelon of coaches that I would dump everything for. I guess is what I was getting. I at. wouldn't and, dump everything, but this is. Of the Belichick disciples, this is the most successful of any of the Belichick disciples. Mike. Brady. No, and I agree with that. And to go back to the to the original, I give him question, a seven. By the way, in terms of desirability, that's my I think number. I'm like a five a or a six, six maximum. I think I sit right around that five range. And I just I don't know. And him being defensive minded, I just I I don't know about the offensive creativity. I get what you're saying. He was handcuffed with Tannehill, and you know Henry was his bruiser. But I would like to see more out of, the, you know, out of offensive production and potential offensive creativity before I'm ready to commit. Because everything else is fine with me, but we aren't in an offensive-driven NFL. you got to score points. See, and this is probably where, because Mike Huff had this comment earlier when we were talking about Harbaugh and, you know, would he want control if he goes to the NFL? Mike says, the control stuff is overrated. Head coaches have control. GMs go get what coaches want. Well, apparently not so much in Tennessee because they hired <laughs> Rand Carthon as their general manager last year. And that's where that's where things have run amok and why Vrabel is out because apparently the GM wants to do one thing. Mike Vrabel wants to do another thing. And so the owner, rather than say, well, this coach has won three division championships. Granted, it's been three years now since he's been to the playoffs, but you know, like, the the, uh, the owner didn't back the coach. The owner backed the general manager. They just hired a year ago because there was a disagreement in philosophy. 
and what they wanted to do. So I don't think the, the control stuff is overrated by any means. You know, Bill Parcells used to talk about, you know, he wants to shop for the groceries. And, you know, like a guy like Parcells, a guy like Belichick, I don't know as much with Vrabel that I would necessarily be giving him that kind of control because longevity track record isn't necessarily there. But Parcells and Belichick are definitely a couple guys you're going to give control to. And the more... The more a guy, the more a coach shows himself over the long haul, you know, like if his input is accepted and, you know, player personnel, general manager type guys listen to that input and then that input ends up working out. I think over time you build some of that up, but I I, I definitely think that, you know. I get what you're saying, that, Mike, that about, you know, most GMs and coaches work together. Those are the successful teams. When when the healthiest relationship is right. between the GM and the coach, there is no doubt that those are the most successful teams. But that's not every situation. I mean, and again, I hate that it comes back to this, but Jerry Jones literally fired a guy who won two Super Bowls because they couldn't get along together. Like that was going to be the next words know. out of my mouth. Jerry wanted more credit than he was being given. Jimmy Johnson was the guy who was making all those decisions, who turned all those Herschel Walker draft picks into actual bodies who could go out and produce and win you championships. There are, I mean, in general, I think that they work together. Sometimes that's because the coach is forced to work together with the GM, you know, like, like if a guy is given the opportunity, especially at a fairly young age to be a head coach, then he's not, you know, there's, there's not much of a choice. He has to work with the GM. You hope that, that they're going to work together on a lot of things, but it just doesn't always happen. If I'm an NFL owner, I think that you should almost have simultaneous GM and head coach interviews because those guys have to get along, right? Like that is that is a proven fact. I just said that those guys, if you want the most, if you want the best shot at success, those guys got to be on the same page. So it's like you almost need to, you know, interview them as a, a joint package to to really see if the dynamic is going to work. Um, DK said Cowboys reference number nine. Sorry. DK, but we couldn't use a Lions reference there because they've had two good years in infinity of football in Detroit. So, yeah, congrats on that first banner. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with what Mike is saying here for sure. The Bears, like if they want to upgrade Harbaugh Vrabel, like compared to Eberflus, Vince and I talked yesterday and I, I asked the question, can you keep, should you keep, if you're going to keep Fields, can you also keep Eberflus? No. I don't think so either. At the very least, you've got to get rid of the offensive coordinator. But I think with, like, especially if you're the Bears and Harbaugh wants to One be the, the Chicago other. Bears head coach, that's a no-brainer to me. Like, and even the New England Patriots with what they're, you know, with the with the whole Belichick decision out there, apparently – you know, like Vrabel is a big, like Robert Kraft is pretty high on Vrabel, which he should be, because look at the success that Vrabel has had. I think that that is a Patriots guy. Yeah. I mean, that potentially complicates some things, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, if you're really weighing whether or not you're going to keep Belichick and the whole thing, like to me, it wouldn't be much of a decision, though. Like if I'm Robert Kraft, I would I would go after Vrabel with him. sitting. I know Belichick has another year and, and all that stuff, but. Belichick has shown with the personnel decisions that he has made for the last 
you know, few years. And then, segue, did you hear or hear, not maybe hear, but read, hear, whatever you, whatever it might be, that there were talks about the Titans like trading Vrabel as a head coach to another team because he still has that contract, but basically they just said no because they didn't want to get into the technicalities of everything. Yeah, because now yeah, now that he's fired, obviously you don't have to worry worry about that. Yeah. I just think that's kind of crazy. You're just like, ah, well, we don't want to do the paperwork, so or, or do something that may might be more advantageous to the organization. So we're just gonna right. fire you. Why get a draft pick? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Why get something out of it, you know? But again, shows who's running the show. You know, like the owners think because they've got all the money, they've also got all the knowledge. But how's that worked out in Carolina? How's that worked out in <laughs> Chicago? How's that worked out in a lot of places? How's that worked out in Dallas? Because might have had successful seasons, but they obviously haven't had championships. And that's at the end of the day what it's all about. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Great stuff. Appreciate everybody for uh Chiming in, boo, Michael Park, boo, you and your Steelers. Take that someplace else. And yeah, Mike, I did see this stuff about Tomlin maybe stepping away after the playoffs. Like that would be crazy as well. All right, hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. And we will be back tomorrow on Ivy Nation 